You were created so that the principal motivation in your life would be that God would be praised, that God would be pleased. You were created to live in the most practical sense of what this, these words mean, a God-word existence, an upward-focused existence. That you could really argue that God is, would be, the reason you do all that you do. Today on the Song Time broadcast, we're continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke, looking at the true Christmas story as we discover from Paul David Tripp this idea of glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Stay tuned for that message, but first we'll be joined once again by Elise Fitzpatrick as we talk about the doctrine of heaven and how that gives us hope, even peace on earth, when we put it in its proper perspective. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. The concept of a real heaven and a, a promise of an afterlife is probably the least complicated theological position to argue from. In fact, people are more likely to believe in something else after death than they are likely to believe in the resurrection or even the virgin birth. This seems to be something that is ingrained in our souls. The intention of thinking that there's got to be something more. There's got to be something else out there other than this world in which we're living. And yet, a lot of what we're dealing with, a lot of what we're faced with in the day-to-day life uh, does not have an eternal perspective. We're worried about where our our next meal is going to come from or uh, where our, uh, you know, our circumstances are going to lead us tomorrow. Will we be able to make it through another workday or not? The truth is, uh, when we come to, when it comes down to theology, there are a lot of doctrines that are crucial to our faith. But how important is the doctrine of salvation? Is it crucial that we all have an understanding of a a new heaven and a new earth? Well, uh, today we're joined once again by Elise Fitzpatrick, who's written a book called Home: How Heaven and the New Earth Satisfy our deepest longings. And Elise, I'm curious, is the doctrine of heaven really that important to our day-to-day living? Uh, yes, because we are physical people. And even when we die and we are resurrected, we will be resurrected in physical, actual bodies. So yes, of course, it's, uh, it is important. But what it does, if we get a clear picture of heaven, it's like a person who knows that, let's say they've been hired to collect garbage uh, in, a, in a city for a year, but then they know at the end of the year they're going to get a million dollars for this work they're doing. So even though the work might be awful, the reward at the end is going to be so great that every day they say to themselves, yeah, this is difficult, but what I'm going to get is going to make it worth it. Mm. And I think we have to we have to start living that way. Because if we don't, then we look to build kingdoms here. And we have to not do that. We have to instead know that Christ's kingdom will come, and it is on that new heaven and new earth. Mm. I had to, to do a funeral recently for someone who had been on hospice, and while they were still on hospice, they asked me to come and visit with them, and they had one question. 
They wanted to, to know if I actually believed in this idea of heaven or if I had just been selling a bunch of snake oil <laughs> throughout my years mm. in ministry. And the conversation was beautiful. It was wonderful. We talked. It, what I thought was going to be a really short visit ended up being over two hours. Uh, but that was the presiding question. Is heaven a real place? And does it have anything that pertains to the life that we're living here? Yeah, and I'm so glad that you got to have that conversation. And that's a good question. Is heaven a real place? Or is this just something Christians talk about? And quite frankly, it's it's amazing to me how little Christians actually know about this place that they're going. They probably we probably generally do more study if we're gonna do a have a two-week vacation someplace, we'll do more study of that place that we're going to for two weeks than we do about this place where we're going to live forever. So it's a great question, and it's an important question for Christians to understand, because if there is no resurrection, uh, as Paul said, if there is no resurrection of the body, and from that, if there is no place where that resurrected body will then live, then we are, of all people, most to be pitied. Mm -hmm. Mm. So we need to know this information. And what it does is it will motivate us and invigorate us to live the kind of sacrificial suffering life that the Christian uh, life is called to. Yeah. So why should I suffer here if there's nothing there? I mean, that's a good question. But the truth is that there is something there, and it's going to be so amazing that the suffering I do here will be, as Mother Teresa said, just like a, 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 a difficult night in an inconvenient motel mm. Mm. compared to that. I think in some instances our understanding of heaven has fallen into the same category of, uh, of, of our understanding of the gospel in some ways. We assume it, right? right. We just we assume we know it, and therefore we don't explore it. It's not something that requires us to understand it. We just accept it, we read about it, we sing about it, but we don't explore it because we've assumed the gospel. Until we're given questions like that, do you actually believe that heaven is real? Uh, I'm not sure that too many people would be able to answer that question because they haven't, as you said, spent time processing what the real Bible, what the Bible actually says about a real heaven and a real new earth. And, you know, the Bible's not silent about it. The Bible is, it, it speaks volumes about this place that we are going. It's just that it doesn't fit into the typical Sunday, how am I going to have a better life sermon? Or how am I going to be a better parent sermon? Or you know what I mean. So when we're talking about things that seem impractical, even though it's immensely practical, but it seems impractical because it forces me to uh, study, to think about something that maybe I'm not really familiar with, and then to get familiar with concepts like the new heavens and the new earth that we, uh, we're just not very aware of. We've been talking with Elise Fitzpatrick about her excellent book. It's called Home, How Heaven and the New Earth Satisfy Our Deepest Longings. It is an excellent resource. 
and one that we're trying to make available to you as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry. If you'd like to find out more information about the book, please give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. And as you consider your end-of-the-year donation, I'd like you to consider us in your support and your your financial contributions. As you think about your tax deductions and all of those things combined, remember Songtime as an, a ministry that is promoting the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God. If we've been able to bless you, consider being a blessing to us in return. Really, this is our most important week of the year as most of our gifts come in during this week. If you have been blessed, let us know by writing to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website and make a safe and secure donation online at songtime.com. Well, today we are continuing our study here in the Gospel of Luke as we're looking at the Christmas story, the true Christmas story found in the Gospel of Luke. In this message from Paul David Tripp, we're looking at what has been our theme verse for this series, Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The problem here is peace seems so hard for anyone to ascertain, especially in the world and the climate in which we're living today. But the reason we don't have peace on earth, as it's described in this book, is because we have a glory problem. Here in this message, Paul David Tripp explains to us how the two come together in a very important harmony. Glory and peace are the two principal words of this little hymn, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I don't know if you've noticed this in yourself, but you are glory-focused. You are glory-attentive. You are glory-seeking. You're a bit glory-obsessed. Everything you do in your life, everything you say, every choice you make, Every reaction in relationships is done in pursuit of some kind of glory. You say, Paul, I don't understand what you, what you mean. Well, let's take the biblical tour. You were created to live with the glory of God in view. You were created so that the principal motivation in your life would be that God would be praised, that God would be pleased. You were created to live in the most practical sense of what this, these words mean, a God-word existence, an upward-focused existence. That you could really argue that God is, would be the reason you do all that you do. We know that creation was designed to remind us of, to point us to the glory of God. That everything that was created is is meant to be a finger that points us to the person and the character, the plan of God. That we would be reminded again and again, everywhere we look, that God is, and God must be the center of our existence. Whether it is frigid cold and snow that you don't want to yet face, or the beautiful song of a bird, or the shocking bright colors of the fall leaves, or a scary storm, or the touch of another human being's hand, 
the tone of their voice, the brightness of the morning, the darkness of the night, all of those things, all of those glories are shadow glories that are meant to reflect the one glory that's truly glorious, the glory of God. That's the way it was meant to happen. But in a sad moment of disobedience and rebellion, Adam and Eve chose rather to live for the glory of the creation than the glory of God. They wanted something in the creation more than they wanted God. And ever since that horrible moment, there has been in all of our hearts glory confusion and a glory war. We don't always live for the glory of God. There are other glories that compete in our heart for this one glory. You were sitting in traffic this week. I don't think you probably thought first of the glory of God. You didn't think that this traffic is a reminder, a sovereign reminder that the Lord is in control, praise his name, I'm not. I don't think that's what you thought. Very often we forget God's glory and we live for other glories. In fact, you could argue that every sin has at its root an exchange of God's glory for some glory in creation. What is lust about? Lust would exchange the glory of God for the glory of momentary sexual pleasure. Materialism replaces the glory of God with the possession of physical things. Pride chooses to live more for self-glory than the glory of God. Were all glory confused? Were all in some way glory thieves? And if you reflect on your world this week, you probably wouldn't be able to say, in every way possible, I lived with the glory of God in view this week. You probably couldn't say that. There are times when other shadow glories become more precious to you and you convince yourself that you can't live without them and your life is more dictated by the worship of what was created than the worship of the Creator. And listen, that never leads to a heart that's at rest. It never leads to inner peace. It never leads to satisfaction because the shadow glories can't fulfill your heart. They weren't designed to do that. You can't turn the created world into your own personal Messiah. It will never work. We have a glory problem. All of us are still yet in the midst of a glory war. We all have moments of glory confusion. We all have times where we want the creation more than we want the creator. Glory to God in the highest. Imagine what the world would be like if every person lived that way. Imagine what it would be like to live in a world where every heart of every human being was ruled by the glory of God. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You see, we're not talking here first about a spiritual thing or about a religious thing. This is the way God designed all human beings to live. All human beings were called, were chosen, were created to live for the glory of God. That's humanness. That was the creation plan. And in a moment of self-glory and rebellion, that was shattered. And all of us live in the middle of glory war and glory confusion as a result. 
So much of the Christmas season is, is built around this idea that we're able to set aside our differences and gather together for the celebration and the time with family and bonding and all of those important things. Uh, but when we're looking at this in the concept of peace on earth, we can do so only when we look over or we close our eyes to the real tragedies that are taking place in our world. The truth is, it's not peace because of ignorance. It's not peace because uh, we're, we're turning our eyes away from the tragedy. But true peace for those with whom he is pleased is, is really an understanding, a working out of doctrine and theology, an understanding of who God is and his glory and his majesty, and realizing that he is in complete control of all things. It's not peace as a means of ignorance, as a, as a means of, of lack of information. It is peace that comes from more information, or I would say correct information. When we truly understand who God is, what he is doing in the world, and we develop a greater faith and trust in God, that is what brings us peace. It brings us reassurance that the one who is our heavenly father, who loves us more than more than we can even imagine, that he controls the circumstances of our life and in his hand comes all that is good and great for us so that we will grow in faith, so that we will mature in righteousness, so that we will treasure the things that truly matter more than the treasures of this world. When we realize that what God is doing for us is helping us to cultivate a greater desire and appetite for eternal things, then we are able to glory and worship God in the highest and find the peace on earth with those with whom he's pleased. When we understand that God loves you, when God is working in your life, and sometimes it's the hardships that you're going through that are a sign that God is working in your life. He's helping you reorient your affections. When you understand, so this idea of peace is not about lack of information. It is about the right information. And that information deals with the, the wonders and the glory of our God and Savior. That's the true meaning of Christmas. Opening our eyes as Mary sang in the Magnificent, her song of praise, or as Zacharias sang in his song of praise when his mouth was finally opened, he was able, his tongue was loose, and he sang praise and glory to God. All of this is a reminder that as we grow in our faith, we have greater peace in our soul. That's our hope and our joy and our challenge for you and why we serve and why we continue to put programs together every single day, because we honestly believe that by helping you to grow in your faith, by challenging you to go deeper in your understanding of the Bible, that you will have greater peace. You want to have peace? You want to have joy? You want to have love and all that that brings? then it starts with going deeper in your walk with Christ and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. This is a ministry that is 100% supported by you, our listeners. In fact, the only way that we can continue in this ministry is with your love, your prayers, and your support. If you want to be challenged on a daily basis, if you want to grow deeper in your faith, if you want to have peace in your soul, then let us know by writing to us and allow us to be an encouragement to you in the year ahead. 
You can send us your donation at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. Don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our study to see how this whole idea of worship actually leads us to greater, greater peace in our soul. We were created so that the most important thing in our lives would be relationship with God. And because of our relationship with God, we have peace in our hearts, rest. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse once again, Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased.